0: Blog Talk Radio. happy friday everybody i apologize for the uh, mess up with the computer once again but i think we've overcome the gremlins this time um i'm mike cutler and this is my program the michael cutler hour and uh may 10th 2019 a day where the gremlins almost uh took control of my show again we had a problem last week but i think we've fixed the problem this week but we'll see bear with me please Um, I thank you for joining me. It's always good to be able to catch up with you at the end of the week uh, and go over some of the madness, check in on the crazy happenings uh, that we have to contend with, uh, because politicians from both political parties refuse to live up to their oaths of office, refuse to accept what should be common sense uh, facts that America's borders must be made secure that America's immigration laws must be enforced fairly but effectively because those borders, both the northern and southern and all of our ports at entry and international airports and access to our coastline, are our first and last line of defense. Um, and we're going to get into the threats that we're facing, but I also want you to know that because I could not do my show last week, Uh, I am going to um, discuss an article that I wanted to talk about in my previous show. We'll catch up with it today, and we have two more pieces that I want to talk to you about. So, um, again, I thank you for joining me. Um, If you're familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS. Um, And you also know that I have a website, michaelcutler.net. I write for frontpagemag.com. Um, I have articles that have appeared in the past in the social contract, and I've added a a new outlet. I now write for DML, Dennis Michael Lynch, dmlnews.com. I gave him a couple of pieces over the last two weeks. Today's piece was published earlier today, Um, Immigration and Education, Undermining America's Future. And if you go to the description of my program, you'll see there's a link so that you can listen to the podcast because Dennis and I, had a discussion about my article. It runs about 30 minutes. I hope you find it to be helpful, useful. If you do, please forward all of those links and information about my website and this program to as many folks as possible and be part of my bucket brigade of truth. Now, as for last week, the article that I wrote, the title, this is the front page, Illegal Aliens Served in the U.S. Navy and in the U.S. Border Patrol, when multiple background investigations fail. Incredible story. And it goes to an issue that is seldom discussed, the fact that because we um, have an immigration system that lacks the resources, lacks the integrity, even the legal immigration side frequently fails us. And all too often, people are able to game the immigration system by either committing immigration fraud or committing document fraud, which was the case here, because in this situation, the young man from Mexico uh, got his hands on a false U.S. birth certificate and somehow not only managed to enlist in the Navy, but was assigned, hold on to your seat, to a nuclear submarine, one of the jewels of the U.S. defense system. And part of the... um, three-pronged nuclear deterrent that the United States has. You know, we've got the Air Force with its strategic bombers, we have intercontinental ballistic missiles, and we have nuclear submarines that carry weapons, nuclear weapons, to act as a deterrent against the first strike by a nuclear country. Uh, By the way, Iran is doing everything in its power to join that club of nuclear countries Uh, And with the wacky and unstable regime and hate-filled regime uh, being run by the government of uh, Iran, this would put the world at risk, which is why the nuclear deal that President Trump walked away from was was a disastrous uh, um, treaty, a disastrous agreement, because it would have virtually guaranteed that within a decade Iran would have had nuclear weapons. That's not a solution. That's not acceptable. And how in the world the prior administration could have done that is beyond me. But I have to also tell you that I was over at I-24 News yesterday. I do quite a bit of um, appearances on that network. They're based out of Tel Aviv, but it's a global news network, I-24 News. And I was stunned because the story that preceded my segment to talk about the border was how John Kerry, the former Secretary of State, has apparently – been meeting with the Iranian government giving them strategies to get to the goals that the government of Iran wants to achieve. Uh, President Trump made the point that this was a violation of the Logan Act, but what's even more disturbing and certainly that that by itself is disturbing with all of the jumping up and down about collusion that we're hearing from the Democrats and, and one or two crazy Republicans, the real collusion here seems to be Kerry and the democrats and iran and and there's an awful lot going on that should leave all of us slack-jawed should stun us all how in the world a former secretary of state can be giving advice to a rogue regime an enemy of the united states they shouldn't be doing it with any government but particularly in a country that has to be defined as an enemy You know, I've written so many pieces about it, and we're going to get into it today also, because the next piece that we're going to talk about is the border and and how Iran's uh, operations in Latin America pose an immediate threat to national security for the United States. But this is the twisted environment in which we are today operating. There's something terribly wrong here, folks. um, And the more you look at it, the wackier it certainly appears. This is very disturbing. And so um, just getting back to the issue about this sailor turned Border Patrol agent, he was able to get his hands on a U.S. birth certificate, a fake U.S. birth certificate, make a false claim to citizenship, winds up passing multiple security clearances and background investigations, not just background checks, and at the end of the day, the judge simply sentenced him to a suspended sentence saying, well, you served in the military. Now, I don't know anything about the, this guy or how good a person he was or well intentioned he was, but the issue is, uh, and I hope you'll go to Front Page Mag and, and check it out, but the issue about this individual, um, and his name is Marco de la Garza Jr., Marco A. de la Garza Jr., he may, may well be a decent guy who just wanted to do the right thing and didn't know how to do it, but the idea that he lied about citizenship is a felony. Okay, the fact that he lied to get a security clearance and and so forth are more felonies. He then applied for a U.S. passport. And you don't make presumptions that when someone joins the military under false pretenses that he's simply desperate to serve in the U.S. armed forces. The thought has to be there that maybe he did so for nefarious purposes. So, you know, you, you look at the crazy stuff that happens and you try to reconcile what is being done with what reality should look like and i have to tell you it leaves me stupefied in fact in the article i wrote about how a u.s sailor had taken a photograph on board a u.s nuclear submarine and i believe sent the photograph to his family and wound up getting prosecuted and imprisoned and the only reason he's not in jail now was that president trump um got him out of jail That's how seriously and understandably so the Navy takes our nuclear fleet, our submarine fleet, and here you have a guy who lied about who he was and became a trusted crew member of a U.S. nuclear submarine. Something for you to uh, scratch your head about probably for the rest of the weekend. But let's move right along and get to some other issues that I think you really uh, need to be aware of. And and in order to do that, I want to call your attention to my latest article for Front Page Magazine, Jihad at the Border, How the Border Crisis Facilitates the Entry of Terrorists. In writing this article, or what motivated me to write the article more appropriately, was a 60 Minutes report that aired over at CBS News on April the 28th, um, and they called it The Situation at the Border. Now, what's interesting, and as you will see in the article that I wrote, the correspondent who did the story actually wound up referring to the situation on the border as a crisis. So you have members of the Democratic Party. I don't think I've seen any Republicans, but it wouldn't shock me, because really they haven't done what they need to do to secure the borders or enforce the immigration laws, because they're all on the same side. If you want to look at collusion, look at immigration, and look at the leadership of both political parties. That's why you have 6,000 ICE agents, and that's why Customs is part of ICE. This should have been a standalone agency. They should not have cut it in half and CBP, another side of it, and so forth. And as I've said many times on this program and elsewhere, John Hostetlin, when he chaired the House Immigration Subcommittee, Republican, criticized President um, uh, President Bush, George W. Bush, Frequently, And at a particular hearing where I testified back on May 5, 2005, he said that the way that DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, was put together, the way that immigration was dealt with, created immigration incoherence, making it impossible to secure the borders or enforce the immigration laws, even after it was clear to everybody that 9-11 and other terrorist attacks were only possible because of multiple failures of an immigration system that had no integrity. So you have President George W. Bush further hobbling immigration law enforcement. Both sides of the aisle are in on this little game between the Chamber of Commerce and the Koch brothers and George Soros um, and, and a whole host of others and immigration lawyers who certainly don't want to see a loss of clientele because when they see that mass of humanity heading this way, they salivate because they're thinking, my gosh, clients are coming. Let's make room. That was the whole point of comprehensive immigration reform, not to get the aliens out of the shadows, but to get them into the waiting rooms of immigration law firms across the country. Bob Goodlatte, who was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which oversees immigration. Okay, think about that. Republican is an immigration lawyer who specialized in H-1B visas, according to news reports. His son, Bobby Goodlatte, is a computer executive, Um, so you can see where we're going with all this. Both sides of the aisle are on the same side. Open the borders, let in the cheap labor, let in all the people with the visas, let's keep the lawyers busy, let's placate the people making the campaign contributions, and the hell with America. But meanwhile, today, on a somber note, New York City held a ceremony where 47 more names were added to the list of police officers who died on 9-11 or who died afterwards because of their exposure to the toxins that were released when the World Trade Center complex collapsed and they died of cancer or similar diseases. They added 47 more names to that list today. I believe we are now up to 200 or 250, and I don't want to be vague about these numbers because every life is a person, was a police officer. And you have the fire department with their massive loss of, of, of people and they're dying of the same diseases. Last week, I believe it was a fire captain passed away because of cancer. That was attributed to 9-11. Congress has given billions of dollars to the Zadruga Fund, named for police officers drugger, the first known member of the New York City Police Department or the first known first responder to die because of exposure to toxins released when the towers collapsed. So we're hearing all about this. We do need to remember what these people did, the sacrifices they made. But that's not enough. Now, the police commissioner said that this is still ongoing. Well, it is. The deaths of these people is ongoing. More people are still suffering and suffering terribly. Cancer is an ugly disease. I've lost too many family members to it. It's a terrible way to die. Not that there's a good way, but certainly it's not cancer. And many of these people died much, much, much younger than they should have died. They died, they sacrificed their lives working at the pile, trying to look for survivors and trying to find remains. Um, Their sacrifices are astonishing, incredible. They should be honored. But our government should be doing whatever it takes to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I'm going to tell you, flat out, they're not. Flat out, they're not. So with that backdrop of today's ceremony at police headquarters here in New York City, the city that was hammered the worst on 9-11, I want to remind you that New York City is a sanctuary city. New York State is essentially a sanctuary state. The governor of New York State, Andy Cuomo, uh, referred to ICE agents as thugs. Think about that. Federal agents who put their lives on the line to arrest drug dealers and terrorists are thugs. And Andy Cuomo's alternate universe. He was all choked up today because he wanted to name the the replacement bridge, the Tappanee Bridge, for his father. And he was talking about his dad and so on and so forth. Well, his father, I thought, was a decent governor, unlike his son, who's a jerk. How in the world you can go public and refer to valiant immigration agents who enforce our immigration laws, which are essential for public safety, national security, public health and the well-being of America and Americans, and call them thugs, which, by the way, has resulted in an increase in the number of attacks, physical attacks against immigration agents. This rhetoric, this dangerous rhetoric that he and others like him spew, has an impact. So on the one hand, we have a ceremony remembering the sacrifices of those valiant police officers, but on the other hand, New York City is a sanctuary city that enables aliens who enter the United States illegally without inspection or by by, uh, um, lying on visa applications or even committing crimes and losing green cards because they've committed serious crimes. The city of New York shields those aliens from ICE, from immigration enforcement, so that they could stay in the United States and create more problems and encourage still greater waves of illegal aliens to flood across our border, knowing that once they come to a sanctuary city, they will be protected by politicians who could apparently not care less about the lives and well-being of Americans. This level of outrage um, that I feel, I hope you share, because we should all be furious. This isn't a left-right issue. And when I watched the 60 Minutes report, something dawned on me, because they were interviewing a Border Patrol sector chief, and he talked about how 40% of his men and women in uniform, Border Patrol agents, were not working to secure the border, which is what they're supposed to do. What they actually are doing is working to deal with this onslaught of about 100,000 illegal aliens per month. Forty percent of the workforce has been taken off of border security, and suddenly it clicked. For anybody who knows anything about the Second World War, everyone knows about D day, June 6, 1944 when Allied forces entered through Normandy, overran the Germans, and and launched there was a a, a, um, a push into Germany that ultimately ended the war, the European theater. It was brilliant but it was a bloodbath thousands of young men gave their lives or came home badly wounded missing limbs head injuries you name it they suffered it to protect our great nation to protect American lives we owe them our country and the reason and only reason that D-Day was successful was that General Eisenhower and the allied military leaders these were real leaders um, said you know If we simply attack at Normandy, the Germans will be able to repel our forces. We'll walk into a buzzsaw, and we're not going to accomplish the objective. What we need to do is to create a diversion. And that diversion came came to be known as the Calais Deception, also known as Operation Fortitude. And what they did, and it's an amazing story. I mean, this was brilliant strategy, brilliant strategy. To start with, they took the body of a dead U.S. soldier, I believe it was an American soldier or an Allied soldier, dressed him up in a suit, handcuffed a briefcase to him, and in the briefcase they inserted bogus, top-secret battle plans for invading through Calais. They took his body, put it in a torpedo tube of a submarine, they got close to the German shore, fired the soldier out of the tube, hoping, and indeed he was, would be he would be discovered by the germans they would see the briefcase with all these top secret documents and come to believe that those documents were legitimate and to back that up they took general george s Patton and put him in charge of a i used the word division in my article somebody corrected me but a huge number of soldiers and created a fictitious a phantom army that didn't exist they used inflatable tanks and trucks and tents and by the cover of darkness soldiers went out onto the beach with tank treads to make it appear that these tanks had been driven on the sand you don't just plunk them down because then it would be obvious that this doesn't look right so they took tank tracks and and made it appear that these balloons which were nothing more than blimps they could have been in, in in the thanksgiving day parade here in new york city they were balloons but from the air they look like real tanks and real trucks and real vehicles and real gun emplacements. They put that up there, and they were able to convince the Germans to divide their uh, defensive resources in half. Talk about divide and conquer. So half of German's forces, Germany's forces were assigned to protect Calais, while the other half was at Normandy. And that's how we were able to successfully Invade through Normandy to to begin the beginning of the end of World War II. And when I heard about that, that today forty percent of border patrol agents are being taken off of the border, my mind re- immediately raced to the parallel about this deception at Calais. Now, make no mistake, there's nothing fake about the hundred thousand aliens that are showing up on our doorstep every single month. Make no mistake. We're having a serious problem vetting these people, and because we can't hold on to them, we're ultimately releasing them into the United States. So when people say, well, they've arrested all these people, yeah, but forget about the arrest. It's what follows, and what follows is these aliens are being released. Now, President Trump has been working in a way that no president before him has. Apparently, the courts have finally supported his position, and Mexico has agreed to work with Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, and President Trump to require that aliens seeking asylum in the United States stay in Mexico while their applications are being processed. It's a brilliant idea. That means they are not in the United States, so we don't have to worry that they're going to go missing. We're not going to have to play the game of hide-and-seek, because we don't have anybody to seek, thanks to years of government neglect by both political parties. You could talk about Jimmy Carter. You could talk about Ronald Reagan. You could talk about Bill Clinton. You could talk about the Bushes. You could certainly talk about Mr. Obama. And thankfully, you have a president finally who wants to get the job done but doesn't have the agents or the resources and the Republicans just as much as the Democrats made sure to not give him the resources that he wants. In fact, I was told that when trump asked for more ice agents they gave him analysts of course because analysts don't make arrests analysts don't conduct investigations analysts don't swear out warrants to this day to this day both parties are determined to leave our borders open and to make certain that the immigration system continues to be the most successful delivery system in the u.s government Delivering an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign students, foreign tourists, and for the immigration lawyers on both sides of the aisle, an unlimited supply of clients. That's what this is about. The hell of Americans, the hell of national security, public safety, public health, and the added benefit, you destroy the middle class, which means more corporate profits, and for the Democrats, that pushes the ball down court because I believe that their ultimate goal is a one-party country. In other words, kiss democracy, goodbye. That's the only logical conclusion that I could come to, and the Republicans can only think about where's my next uh, campaign contribution coming from. So when you're driven and blinded by greed and power, God help the citizens of the country. And that's the mess that we are in right now. You have a president who's doing everything he can to push back, and you can see the way the knives are being sharpened in Washington. We're going to get his tax return. We want the full Mueller report. My understanding understanding is that 98% of the Mueller report has been made public. The only material that's been kept out is the material that would compromise national security or violate something known as 3,500 material, material provided at grand jury, which you're not allowed to release. Plus, I believe they're also trying to shield the names of people who were exonerated. Why smear good people's names by a rogue investigation when you look at the Steele dossier and all that led up to the investigation into collusion, which, by the way, Mueller said there was no collusion. These are desperate people who are doing everything in their power to make certain that President Trump does not succeed in securing the borders or ending the immigration crisis. And, and before we go further, I have to make a point. The first step in problem solving is to agree you have a problem. You don't solve a problem if you don't think it's a problem. So when politicians say there's no crisis on the border, what they're really saying is this isn't a problem. Any politician who says this isn't a problem wants to see what's happening continue. And yes, this is a humanitarian crisis, make no mistake, because the draw of America is pulling hundreds of thousands of people across some very dangerous territory. They're being placed at risk by alien smugglers who are among the most vicious and pernicious criminals you'll ever meet next to terrorists. They don't care about human lives. You know, people are learning a little bit about the border, and they're getting some of the lingo, you know, we call the smugglers coyotes and many people may not know why you call a smuggler of aliens a coyote well i can tell you why i can tell you that i was part of the anti-smuggling unit here in new york city because smuggling doesn't just exist on the mexican border or the canadian border there are safe houses inside the interior of the united states and so forth in fact new york city at least on paper has the greatest number of illegal aliens of any city in the entire united states of america this isn't just a border issue So if you think that because you don't live in one of the four so-called border states, California, New Mexico, Texas, or Arizona, no big deal for you, what happens on the border doesn't stay at the border. These aliens are showing up all over the United States. New York City has at least a half million illegal aliens. That was the estimate a year or two ago. God knows how many more from the caravans are here, and, of course, they've always undercounted. What this really means, here's a sobering thought. If you're walking through midtown Manhattan, at least one in ten, maybe one in eight, maybe one in six, God knows, people that you pass on the street are likely aliens who have no lawful right to be in the United States. If that doesn't freak you out, check for a flatline EEG. Think about that. These are people who came in surreptitiously. They are trespassing. Trespassing is very dangerous. Chuck Schumer understands it. He's no fool. He made the point that he wanted a law that would make trespass on critical infrastructure or national landmarks a federal crime with a five-year maximum jail sentence. He said New York's trespassing laws aren't strong enough and don't provide a great enough punishment to deter this dangerous activity, especially where foreign nationals are concerned. So Chuck Schumer understands that trespassing particularly by foreign nationals is dangerous but the same chuck schumer and his playmates of the democratic party hypocritically contradictorily will say well aliens who trespass on america should be given a path to citizenship of course they don't call them trespassers they call them undocumented by the way undocumented means they don't have or don't want you to see official identity documents so you know who the hell they are which means anyone who's quote-unquote undocumented poses a clear threat to national security. That was what the Real ID was all about, because we knew from the investigation done by the 9-11 Commission that the 19 hijackers who took part in the 9-11 terror attacks in the aggregate used 364 false names or variations on false names. That was why the Real ID Act was passed. Don't bog these Democrats down with the facts, or the Republicans. They have bigger fish to fry. They have money to get from the campaign contributors. And then when you hear the candidate saying, like Gillibrand, "Oh, I'm not taking PAC money. I'm not taking big amounts of money. I'm only going to take money from small amounts. You know, the little guy that wants to pay for my campaign." What most people don't realize is that the candidates who run for the presidency will get party money. The Democratic Party will write the majority of the checks. And guess where the Democrat Party is getting its money from? The PACs. So, yes, Gillibrand can say, I'm not taking PAC money. No, because in a manner of speaking, it's being laundered through the party. The party gets the PAC money, and then the party hands her a check for however many millions of dollars for her campaign, And she can stand in front of the microphones and say, I didn't take any PAC money. What a game. What a game. It's a game of deception. So you look at the game of deception that now may be getting played against our border patrol. And now ask yourself, how are they able, whoever is behind it, to organize these huge, highly efficient caravans moving hundreds of thousands of people all the way from Central America and elsewhere and elsewhere into the United States. And, of course, we usually hear from the conservatives, oh, it's got to be Soros. Maybe it's the Koch brothers. But there may be something else here, folks. It may well be, though, what we're really looking at is Iran. And that's what I wrote about for my article. And by the way, if you don't think the border is a serious problem, I want to, I want to read something to you, because this, this is really astonishing. You know, Congress is very good at holding hearings, and I've testified. I think we're up to 17 hearings. I doubt they'll invite me after I've angered everybody by telling the truth, but so be it. 17 is some kind of a record, I've been told. And really, they need listenings, not hearings in Washington. But there was a hearing that was held. In January, January 29th of this year, the Senate Intelligence Committee conducted a hearing on worldwide threats predicated on the worldwide threat assessment that was prepared by the intelligence community. So the intelligence community um, is directed by Dan Coats. He's the director of the Office of National Intelligence, and he coordinates and oversees the FBI, the CIA, NSA, all the intelligence agencies. And so this hearing involved Dan Coats and all these people from the other agencies. And it was about the threats that America faces. And it was looking at all the threats from all over the world, very sobering. But here's something that I want to read to you, because one of the sections was on transnational organized crime. Now, what you're going to hear is actually the words in that report. I'm I'm now quoting from that report that was prepared by the intelligence community. And it was released on January 29, 2019. It's hot off the press, so to speak. Transnational organized crime. Global transnational criminal organizations and networks will threaten U.S. interests and allies by trafficking drugs, exerting malign influence in weak states, threatening critical infrastructure, orchestrating human trafficking, and undermining legitimate economic activity. Drug trafficking. The foreign drug threat will pose continued risks to U.S. public health and safety and will present a range of threats to U.S. national security interests in the coming year. Violent Mexican traffickers, such as members of the Sinaloa Cartel, by the way, uh, this is me now telling you this, think of El Chapo Guzman, the head of the Sinaloa Cartel, being convicted and sentenced to life in prison here in New York City because he was operating his operation. In Queens, New York, he was prosecuted in the Eastern District of New York, okay, the Sinaloa cartel. So they, the report mentioned the Sinaloa cartel, and going back to the report, and new generation Jalisco cartel remained key to the movement of illicit drugs to the United States, including heroin, methamphetamine, fentanyl, and cannabis from Mexico, as well as cocaine from Colombia. Chinese synthetic drug suppliers dominate U.S.-bound movements of so-called designer drugs, including synthetic marijuana, and probably ship the majority of U.S. fentanyl when adjusted to purity. So here we see that they have a hearing at the Senate Intelligence Committee about the threats America faces. I believe this was on page 18, if I'm not mistaken. If you go to my article, you have links. Please check out my article. Take the time. Don't just look at the headlines. You know, sometimes I see people comment because there's a place where you can comment on the article. And no matter what I write, it's obvious that whoever wrote a response didn't bother reading the article because they'll focus on something that's in the title or the first sentence. Why didn't he talk about this? Why didn't he talk about that? Well, if they read three paragraphs down, they would see it. If you want to be educated so that you know what's going on, you have to do the reading. There's just no, sub- There's no cliff notes for my article, okay? Please read the article. Please check out the links. I want you to know that when I put something in my article, it's not a brain spasm. It's ba- based on fact. If I can't provide facts, I'm not going to talk about it. This isn't a-, a gossip column. I'm trying to provide you with a distillation, if you will, of the facts that are available within the public realm. And frequently, I quote, congressional hearings and open source material. So please read the report. Understand that the Senate has access, the Congress has access to this, mayors and governors of sanctuary cities have access to this. And yet you have Cuomo calling ICE agents thugs. These are the people that are fighting these battles on the streets. I did that job, I was part of the drug task force for 10 years. And for about four and a half years before that, I was the first INS agent assigned to DEA Unified Intelligence in New York City. I didn't read about this stuff. I was out there swearing out warrants, kicking down doors, making arrests, and testifying at hearings and trials. This isn't a game. This isn't a game. And I'd love to know how this isn't a crisis. And by the way, it's remarkable that a school official was complaining about the shooting at that STEM school in Colorado, that he apparently, somebody, wrote an article and said, these kids are so strung out on drugs, they're suffering mental illness. They're suffering depression and anxiety, and someone's going to do something terrible. And isn't it wonderful that Colorado legalized pot? How wonderful. We worry about the well-being of our children, and we're making it more and more difficult to smoke cigarettes at work or in the street or at the park, but pot is okay. Let's get everybody stoned. Let's really screw up the brains of our children. These aren't left-right issues, folks. These are right-wrong issues. You don't see good advertisements on TV warning about drug use. You see good commercials about cigarette smoke or not using your seatbelt or driving drunk. Oh, yeah, we've got commercials about that. Where are the commercials warning people about the dangers of opiates? dangers of drug why are we legalizing marijuana at a time that we have the worst heroin epidemic ever is this really a government of the people by the people for the people you think but in addition to this recent report i also quoted something and i've quoted it in the past because back on april 17 2018 a year ago a year ago The House Committee on Homeland Security, Counterterrorism, and Intelligence Subcommittee conducted a hearing on the topic, the state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. So here's a brief excerpt. Please read the report that I wrote on that or the article I wrote on that. and, and Watch the video. Watch the hearing. It's a video. You don't even have to read. You can just watch. You probably won't sleep afterwards. Because at the hearing, a witness by the name of Dr. Emmanuel Otolenge of the Foundation in Defense of Democracies included this alarming excerpt from his testimony. Now I'm quoting Dr. Otolenge. Mm-hmm. In recent years, Hezbollah, Hezbollah, you know, is an arm of Iran. Okay. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. This toxic crime-terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. Let that sink in. This toxic crime-terror nexus that is between Hezbollah which is a puppet of Iran. It's an Iran, the, the, um, the militant arm of Iran, right? The toxic crime terror nexus between Hezbollah and the drug cartels is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America. Think about Venezuela. By the way, for decades, Iran has been sending their Quds forces, their shock troops, into Venezuela on direct flights from Tehran. This isn't fiction. This is reality, that you're not hearing about in the evening news. You're not hearing about by members of Congress or mayors of sanctuary cities. And it goes on and says, the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. And you had Rouhani, the president of Iran, saying that if countries agree with the boycott launched by the United States, that they will send us bombs, refugees, refugees. Drugs and assassinations or assassins. It's pretty clear. You know, after 9 11, all those politicians stood at the microphones and thumped the podium and said, Why didn't they connect the dots? Why didn't they connect the dots? Ladies and gentlemen, the dots have been connected again and again and again and again. And we still have politicians saying there's no crisis. We still have people saying, Oh, isn't that wonderful? We're going to shield these people from detection by ICE. The second largest contingent of law enforcement officers who were assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents, because think of this. Every foreign terrorist in the United States violates multiple statutes contained within the immigration and nationality laws of our country. My very first fraud investigation, which was supposed to be a routine, mundane, nothing case of a young kid with an altered visa, well, I played a hunch, and it led us to uncover a terror plot in Israel that would have involved the bombing of an oil refinery. Thankfully, because we discovered it, working with the Israeli National Police and the FBI, that plot was thwarted about a week before it was to have been carried out back in 1976. I've been involved in other terrorist investigations. That's the reason why the 9-11 Commission asked me to provide testimony to the commission, which I did. Please understand that this is about national security. So today we remember the lives of 47 police officers who lost their lives. And, you know, I love it when they say they lost their lives. They misplaced them. They were killed by the terror attacks. Passive voice is something children use. Mommy, Daddy, buy me a new toy. It broke. No, I threw it against the wall, and it broke. But they leave that out. Most of the coverage that I've seen in the media today, they lost their lives because of 9-11. Finish the sentence. Finish the damn bloody sentence. They lost their lives because dirtbags, aliens who had no right to come here, gamed the immigration system, by lying on visas, by claiming political asylum, by doing whatever it, they needed to do to come to America determined to turn airliners into cruise missiles and kill as many innocent people as possible, and they succeeded. It wasn't just on 9-11 they lost their lives. They didn't get careless on 9-11. Damn it, they were killed because of actions taken on 9-11 by people who have no goddamn right to be in the United States, Period. But that's the part of the sentence you're not going to hear in the mainstream media. You know, when they talk about how people die in car crashes and they say, wear your seatbelts, they don't say people died because they flew through the windshield of their cars. They say people died because they didn't wear their seatbelts. and when they didn't wear their seatbelts, then they flew through the windshields of their cars. But let's get to the root cause. They didn't mysteriously pop through a windshield. They weren't held back. By their seatbelts you see but with 9-11 oh it was a tragedy they lost their lives let's remember how it happened 19 men who had no damn right to be here managed to come here managed to stay here managed to use 364 false names or variations of false names one about their deadly preparations and on september 11 2001 walked on board airliners and turned them into de facto cruise missiles, de facto cruise missiles. That's where this all emanated from. And it happened before that we had the attacks in 93. Did we learn the lessons? Of course not. Have we learned the lessons? No, there's been more terror attacks in the United States and around the world. And today not airplanes being used as weapons of mass destruction but motor vehicles and what is are sanctuary states doing giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens whose true identities are unknown and unknowable no rational person would get on board an airliner if they saw people sneak past tsa they'd say my god why is that guy sneaking into the airplane he's probably a threat I know if I was at the airport and saw somebody sneak past the, the, the TSA people, I sure as hell wouldn't be getting on that airplane. I don't think you would either. Then answer a simple question, and maybe this is the question you need to ask the politicians when you go to the next town hall meeting. If no rational person would get on board an airplane if they saw fellow passengers sneak past TSA, why in the world, why in the world are we being forced to live among millions of people from other countries who snuck into the country to evade that vetting process conducted at ports of entry that is very similar to what the TSA does at the airport. Give that some thought. Give that some thought. And all I will tell you is that any politician who says this isn't a crisis want this to continue because anybody who's rational looks at this would have to say, this, isn't gonna, this is not good for America or anybody for that matter. And by the way, um, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden was asked about this, and he said his solution is we'll give more foreign aid to the country so the aliens will have no reason to come here. What an intellect. What a genius. The money that we give in foreign aid doesn't get to the people anyway, it winds up getting stolen by corrupt politicians. And Joe Biden, who's one of the denizens of the cesspool in Washington, should know about that sort of thing, because this is what it's all about, money disappearing. You know, you have politicians that come to Washington worth very little, and by the time they leave, they're multimillionaires. Dennis Hastert, you know, Chester the Molester, the former Speaker of the House, wonderful human being. He was a gym teacher. Turns out that he had a thing for little boys. God bless us all. Came to Washington, from what I read, worth a couple of hundred thousand, and by the time he left, he was worth millions. You think he was saving his paycheck from the Senate? I mean, the madness that goes on with our politicians keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Americans are dying of drug overdoses. They're dying of violence. They're dying because of gangs and diseases. And by the way, Ellis Island was a quarantine station, but this mass of humanity flooding into America, there's nothing to see here, folks. And by the way, we know we caught a hundred thousand, let's say last month. What nobody knows is who came in, just like the Calais Deception. We know what we caught, we know what we, we don't know what we didn't catch. In some sectors, forty percent of the border patrol agents are are taking care of the aliens already in custody, just like the Calais Deception. It's a divide and conquer strategy. What what meager resources we have has been diminished while the Border Patrol is forced to contend with this massive onslaught of humanity. And, of course, the wall isn't there because the Republicans as well as the Democrats were determined not to do anything to stop the madness. They weren't willing to do anything to stop the madness. Think about that. Think about that the next time it's time to vote. If a politician doesn't think we need a wall, then I don't think we need them any position of authority in our government. We, the people, need to take back control of this country and we start by attending town hall meetings, keeping these people accountable, asking the tough questions, videotaping it with your smartphone and putting it on YouTube. Call them out. Take away the cover that they have by trying to lie through their teeth. Go to those town hall meetings and videotape them. Ask the tough questions. Put them on the spot see if they can do the twist and shout. It's entertaining when you do it, if it's done properly. Final point, when I was, um, the article that I wrote for Dennis today, DML, Dennis Michael Lynch, DMLnews.com, about education. We are flooding American schools with children who can't read or write English. We're flooding American schools with all these kids, and some of them may well be members of gangs. Many of them may be fleeing from the gangs, but others might be part of the gangs. And the point of fact, when Mr. Obama opened up the program to the unaccompanied minors, we had a massive, 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 humongous influx of MS-13. I began investigating MS-13 around 1991, 1992. It was a relatively small problem. It existed in a couple of isolated places on the East Coast, Long Island, Huntington Station, um, pretty heavy population there, but it was, it was kind of rare. Freeport, Long Island, there were, there were a couple of pockets. Today, MS-13 has infested cities across the country. How did it happen? The unaccompanied minors. What's their slogan? Kill, rape, control. And who are they killing and raping? Mostly Latino children. children. They recruit children as young as 10 years of age you think it's anti-immigrant to not want criminals like that to live within the ethnic immigrant community? Because it's that ethnic immigrant community, by and large, suffering the greatest violence. But these are the lies that are being told by the desperate globalists who are doing everything in their power to maintain the status quo. That's why we're in this mess. So we're putting these kids into our schools. They're recruiting children in the schools. They certainly aren't helping the class average. So when you see that the United States ranks 19th in the world in math and 20th in science or whatever, understand that you have a huge population of kids who can't speak, read, or write English. So when they take the aptitude tests and they crater, they drop through the floorboards, they pull down the average. If you were only looking at American kids or students who could speak, read, and write English, America would probably come in in the top three or four in the world. But when you add these huge numbers of non-English-speaking kids to the mix, and then the globalists point to those terrible numbers and say, you see, Americans are idiots. We need to import bright people from around the world because Americans are too stupid. The only time we're too stupid is not standing up to the crooks that have taken control of our government on the federal, state, and local level. That's when we demonstrate stupid. And that has to stop, and that really has to stop. And then on the other hand, we continue to educate people in our higher education systems to displace American high-tech workers, which goes lockstep with what Alan Greenspan talked about with H-1B visas. We're also doing it by um, training engineers and computer programmers in the United States. And then people like Mitt Romney run around saying, oh, we need to staple green cards onto the diplomas of foreign students because otherwise they will go halfway across the world when they graduate. The better idea, folks, is to stop educating foreign students and start educating American kids. And I have to tell you, and I know that a lot of conservatives don't like the idea, free college, oh, my God, it's terrible. It's not terrible. I would rather build classrooms than jail cells. We're going more in the technologically advanced areas today, more and more menial jobs are being done by robotics and artificial intelligence. We need to educate our children. The reason that you have to go to high school, or at least go to school at least till you're 16 in most states, is because 100 years ago, a high school education was the equivalent of a bachelor's degree today. So it's an only logical progression that today, because a high school diploma doesn't get you anywhere, that we ought to make certain that every American child who's capable of going to school has an opportunity to go to college, provided they maintain the grade, the grade score. You know, this shouldn't be a substitute for work, you know. I hate to work, so I'll sit in the classroom. No, that doesn't cut it. But if you're maintaining grade average, there are children living in poverty if you want to break the cycle of welfare and poverty which is destroying us economically and leading to crime and the destruction of young lives especially among America's minority community the solution is get those kids into the classrooms motivate them nurture them you know in the old days corporations looked at America's children as their future in the old days when i was a kid i remember the ge college bowl And what GE College Bowl was, was a quiz show very much like Jeopardy, where college kids competed and they had to come up with the answers to questions. Again, it was a similar format to Jeopardy. And the emphasis was on scholastic achievement, on academics. And, in fact, in New York City, there was another program called It's Academic. It was very much like the GE College Bowl, but for high school students. And they would get college scholarships if they scored enough points Um, in the competition because in those rational days corporations looked at the american children and said we need to turn out smart kids because then we can hire them back then nobody thought of going to india or some third world country for american scientists engineers and computer programmers back then americans understood and our politicians understood that's for america to do well americans have to do well today you have multinational corporations and they don't give a rat's tail about america they only care about their bottom line they slap a flag on the garbage they sell us even though the the flag maybe was made in america or maybe made in china god only knows it's about money at all costs And today, President Trump is standing up against China, which, by the way, sends us the majority of the fentanyl that's killing how many people? They've been hacking our computers. They engage in currency manipulation. We treat them as though they're an ally when in reality they're our adversary. And you finally have a president standing up to them. And all that you hear on on, on the news reports today is how this will impact corporate profits. Folks, we're talking about the survival of America and Americans. We're talking about the survival of freedom. Let's not forget that China not only is the most popular state, but it's a communist state. They have a totalitarian regime, and they're using technology increasingly to gain ultimate total control over its population. It's a nightmare scenario. And if it means that corporations have to settle for a little bit less money because we're going to stand up to these thugs, so be it. Let's get back to being a moral country with citizens who pay attention and make everybody accountable. That's the purpose for my program, because I know that the information you're hearing here is information you're not going to get anyplace else. The facts speak for themselves. As John Adams said, facts are stubborn things. And I hope that the facts that I provide you help you to better understand the issues. And if you find that it is helpful, please, I ask you, share the links, share the articles, share information about my program with as many of your friends as possible. Ask them to do the same. I'm trying to create what I call a bucket brigade of truth, and it's really important. America stands at crossroads. We face risks from many directions, dangers from many directions. But first and foremost, our country's security begins at its borders. If we can't secure the borders, if we can't enforce our immigration laws, then the consequences could be too horrific to even contemplate. So please get involved. Please make a difference because everybody can make a difference. History is written by those people who step up at a moment in time when their efforts are needed. Please remember, folks, that democracy is not a spectator sport. Mother's Day is coming this weekend. I hope for those of you who are parents that you have a wonderful Mother's Day. Um, It's about our children, folks. You can't be a good parent if you don't worry and get involved with the political process that has a direct bearing on the future of our children and our children's children. Have a wonderful weekend, and um, I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour, and hopefully we'll get rid of those gremlins that have been plaguing the computer. See you next week, folks.